Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. And what I'm so proud of Clark.com about is its information that you can trust. And ClarkDeals.com, that's deals you can trust. We don't just slap a whole bunch of deals on a page. We are careful and we list deals that we think are really good for you and your wallet. Here's something that I think is clark Rageous for your wallet. This is shocking, ridiculous, stupid. And as somebody said yesterday on Capitol Hill about Equifax, you can't fix stupid. The IRS, <laughs> well, that's that was a bad lead-in. The IRS decided to announce they're doing a major contract with Equifax to verify who's who. I'm going to fill you in on it in today's Clark Rage coming up later because there's something I want you to be aware of and do because of that lame decision of the IRS. And later yet, you know, this is our week to switch ditch safe to really think about who you're using as a bank and all all that. And I want to talk about some of the things that you can do that will help you fatten that wallet of yours and keep the bank from doing reverse bank robbery on you. So I, I know that you're probably like, I can't believe that here I am talking about Black Friday and here it is October. But... Two years ago, I said that Black Friday was on its way to becoming a state of mind and not a day. And now that's completely where things are. And I want to explain how this year's Christmas shopping season is going to play out if you want to stretch your wallet the most. So Black Friday is still a thing. That Friday after Thanksgiving. And that's when you'll still find the incredible deals on third-tier brands, off-brands, and merchandise that is specially shipped in that is the promotional merchandise, particularly for clothing and accessories, that's brought in just for the Black Friday holiday weekend extravaganza. So, yeah, there are still going to be screaming deals. And on electronics, game machines, TVs, laptops, tablets, cell phones, all those things will still be marquee items as far as phenomenal specials. On Friday in particular, but not as much as in the past, a lot on Thanksgiving Day and to a lesser extent on Saturday and Sunday following Thanksgiving and Black Friday. So there still will be a lot of deals on those four days, but nothing like in the past. Because the way we shop and what's best for the retailers has changed how it works and leveled out the sales cycle overall. So the sales are going to start in earnest in about three weeks. And I'm not talking about non-sale sales. I'm talking about real sales. 
and the sales go on from about three weeks from now till the 10th of December. And I should verify that. Historically, it's the 10th. I want to look at a calendar right now while I'm talking to you and verify that the 10th is going to be the, the cutoff day this year for sales. Yeah, this year it'll be the 10th as well. So the 10th will be the end of real bargains because what happens the last two weeks leading up to Christmas from the 11th through Christmas Eve is that retailers are heavily selling to people who just aren't into it and are out there shopping because they have to because, well, they got to go fill out their Christmas list for whoever, and there's no joy in Mudville over doing that. And then there are the people who wait till the last minute because money's short, money's tight, and so they wait to shop till later. But for people that are in a position to take advantage of the deals, the deals run for roughly five and a half weeks, almost six weeks. And there's an ebb and flow over that time period from right around Halloween till about the cutoff of the 10th of December. And you just watch the sales. Now, I want to talk about it if money's the issue, and that's why you wait to buy till the last minute where the prices have amped up and the selection is skimpy. It's really a great idea if you are going to have to be careful with how you do your Christmas that you do layaway. If you do layaway plans that are prominent at a number of the discounters, you're able to put something into layaway where you pay a very small deposit to hold an item at the sale price. So you get the sale price, and then you're given a time period, usually in the second week of December, that you have to pull things out of layaway. You have to finish paying off. Layaway is a high labor-intensive thing for retailers, but it gets them a lot of sales they might not have gotten otherwise. And so that's why retailers now normally make layaway free. And so it gives you the opportunity to budget and at the same time take advantage of the deals. Amazon shoppers. Amazon has a bad habit of putting things on sale Thanksgiving week that are non-sale sales. They will advertise items on their website as being massive discounts that really aren't at all. Even if you're really addicted to Amazon, I encourage you during Thanksgiving week especially to comparison shop what Amazon is pushing, pushing, pitching, whatever. I came up with a new word, pitching. What they're doing with that to see if it really is a deal or a non-deal deal. Elliot's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Elliot. Hello, Clark. Elliot, what a great question you're about to ask me. You were the second person ever to ask me this question in all the years. Hit me with it. So my question is, what, what, what do you do if a doctor's office or doctor refuses to see you if you don't provide them with your social security number? A doctor who refuses to see you 
when you won't supply your social security number is a doctor who doesn't care about your health. Which is exactly what I said last time. <laughs> is that you're only the second person ever who's had a doctor's office refuse to see and treat for uh, your unwillingness to provide a social security number. Do you know why I say that so strongly, Elliot? Why is that, Clark? Because the only reason a doctor wants your social security number is so that he or she can come after you with a debt collector if there's an unpaid bill. There is no medical reason. There is no other reason for a doctor to insist or a medical center, hospital, lab, um, surgery center, anybody in medicine who insists on your social security number or they refuse to treat, they don't value you or care about you as a person. I would agree. Did you have a doctor refuse service? Once. Uh, This has never happened to me before, and... I filled out the application, uh, not the application, but the, the form w- w- with all your personal information. And there's a spot there for your social security number. And all my previous years, I've always left it blank, never had a doctor ask me for it, but this, this one time. And I said, I don't provide that, that number. And I said, well, um, we're sorry, but we can't see you. And I, it just kind of floored me. And I asked them, to, to, I asked them why. And they really could not provide me with a good answer. And they even went to talk to the doctor, came back and said, yeah, we're sorry, we, we, we can't see you. All right. So that doctor, in my opinion, violated the Hippocratic Oath. That, that is inexcusable and unacceptable. You know, medical breaches have been such a problem over the years. And for a doctor to be so careless and uncaring and be so worried about being able to go after you with a collector that he refuses to see you because he won't supply your social security number when you know the vulnerability because of social security numbers, that's a doctor who does not deserve your business. Exactly. Exactly. Is that what you did? You walked? I sure did. Great. Now, for all the doctors who feel that I'm being completely unfair and cavalier, Clark.com is the web address. Clark Stinks is where you go and post. But good job, Elliot. Stand up for yourself, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, Clark. All right. Yeah, so uh, does a doctor have a legal right to demand a Social Security number? No, but you also have a right to go somewhere else. Lori is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lori. Hi there. How are you? Great. Thank you, Lori. You have been hearing commercials you want to run by me. Tell me about it. Well, I've never heard of this before, but evidently there are companies that offer to protect your property title. They said that um, because of the Equifax breach and the data that's been compromised, that bad guys can get a hold of your title and change it to their name and do all kinds of things with it, and then all of a sudden you find out you don't own your You don't own your home anymore. Yeah. So that is such a obscure remote possibility, and there are any of a number of organizations looking for a way to score money from the Equifax data breach that I would say that's not where your interest lies, that what matters with a home is that you have title insurance. 
And okay, that is different than what this was then. Right. This is about uh, telling you it's like a um, alert service that somebody's right. messing around with the title to your home. Well, now, if you've paid off your house and you aren't paying a mortgage anymore, do you still need title insurance? I'm a big fan of, like, I had a caller the other day who was buying a house for cash. Good for him. And when you're doing that, you you know, normally title insurance is required by your lender. And it's what's known as lender's title. And what I say is you always should add what's known as a piggyback, which is owner's title insurance, which protects you in the event that there's a successful challenge in a case, let's say somebody even has substantial equity in their home and there's only a lender's title policy and for whatever reason, whatever way there's a challenge to the title, then if you only have a lender's policy, the lender gets paid off, you lose all the equity in your home. And that's why an owner's title policy is so essential to have and that's a valuable thing for you to have to protect yourself. Do you have a recollection when you bought this home? If you, 1981. Did, 1981? Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> I know. Wow, nobody stays in one place that long anymore. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Good for you. So long since paid off now. Right. And you you would have no memory if back in 81 you bought what's called simultaneous issue or an owner's title policy. Not that I'm aware of, but I don't know if it makes a difference. This was a house built on a former farm field, but they divided into lots, so nobody ever owned this lot or this building before. Okay, so you gave the perfect situation where you do want to have an owner's title policy. Okay. So the product you were looking at wouldn't protect you from what I'm talking about which is the greater danger that like an heir to a family says, wait, 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 they never had a right to sell that land back in 81. I'm going to go take everybody's home. Oh my! And we've had that call on the air before. So that's what owner's title does is it provides defense and wallet protection in the event somebody challenges. And it's so long ago, there'd be no way you could find whoever did the uh, real estate closing back in 81. Is there any lawyer you ever are in contact with? No. And in fact, I know our mortgage was sold two or three times to different lenders. Yeah, that wouldn't make any difference in this case. The, the thing is, I'm trying to think how to get you to somebody. Oh, do a Google search and put in owner's title insurance and put your state name next to it and see what information pops up about how you can buy title insurance in your state and what it costs because the regulations are different in every single state and the cost is different everywhere. But that would be a much more valuable thing for you to own than this alert service that's being peddled right now. Okay, today's Clark Rageous moment is not a joke. On the same day that the former CEO of Equifax is trying to explain himself how they lost all the key personal data that leaves 145.5 million American adults open to identity theft the rest of their lives. The IRS cut a no-bid contract with Equifax for millions of dollars to verify taxpayer identities. That's right. The very people who lost all our information 
and left us vulnerable to somebody impersonating us with the IRS or anywhere else, they're the ones that are supposedly going to make sure that we are who we say we are when we file a return with the IRS. What do you even say to that? And the Yahoo breach, as you may have heard, affected 3 billion people on Earth. That information was disclosed yesterday. 3 billion. So the question is, how does that one matter? That one's a much lower voltage data breach than the one at Equifax. Most important thing is if you used for Yahoo usernames and passwords that you use on other sites, you need to change the usernames and passwords you use at other sites, especially social media and financial websites. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Clark.com is our main website. You can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. As we continue Clark Your Bank Week, I want you to think about ways that you can save yourself money or make more money by switching from the bank you're with to an online bank, a credit union, or a small bank, especially if you're with one of the four giant monster mega banks. And one of the great stumbling blocks to people switching banks is if you have a bill pay service with the bank you're with, that it feels overwhelming to switch to a new bank because you think about, well, I've got all these bill pays set up and I'm going to have to set up a whole new one, blah, 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 blah. Do not allow that to shut you down. For the typical person switching from a current financial institution bill pay to a new one, whether you go to a credit union, online bank, or you go to one of the discount brokers like Fidelity or Schwab and move your stuff to them, the amount of time it takes to move your bill pay is less than 15 minutes. You think I'm crazy, don't you? Nope, that's all it takes. There's a lot of this stuff that we look at as a mountain of obligation to deal with that's actually just a little nuisance. And so when you think about why you remain trapped as a prisoner of one of the crummy banks, there's these roadblocks that we face, like with the automatic debits we might allow from our account or the bill pay we have set up, these things are not the hassle factor that you think they are. Your direct deposit, changing it really quick where you work. So don't allow the inertia of life to keep you from making a change that is absolutely necessary. I decided I wanted to torture myself last night. And I watched the testimony before the U.S. Senate Banking Committee by the CEO of Wells Fargo. And I was so angry at points that I'm not normally an angry person. I was banging my fist on our kitchen table. And my wife and my kids were watching this with me till my 12-year-old son 
asked, Dad, is this ever going to be over? <laughs> and so that was the point he had tuned out. I let him leave the table. But it was stunning. It was shocking how this criminal enterprise that poses as a bank, the CEO still refuses to take any meaningful real responsibility for the criminal behavior in so many different areas that Wells Fargo has engaged in. The problem is because nothing happened to any of the banks or the banksters that ran them with all the financial scandals, the banking scandals last decade, there's no worry on their part what consequences there would be for like Wells Fargo opening three and a half million accounts falsely for people who didn't request them, forcing insurance on people who didn't need it and didn't request it, cheating people on mortgages that Wells announced yesterday they're going to do a lot of reimbursements for the people they cheated on mortgages. And it goes on and on and on. You can choose to remain a sitting duck and allow somebody to abuse you. And bank abuse is something that you have to allow to be imposed on yourself because you stay with them. But not only is it about not being abused anymore, it's about getting a better deal. And the deals are out there. Clark.com slash Clark your bank. Savings. If you won't make any other change, make sure you move your savings to online banks. Interest rates now 1.35% and going up from there for online banks where the big banks pay 0.01%, one one-hundredth of 1% on savings. I should have done that 0.001, right? Point, no, 0.01 was right. I mean, it, the interest they're paying is so tiny, I can't even do the math, the decimal points. And if you have uh, money, if you got real money, you should never be with a bank anyway. You should be with a discount broker that offers free checking, free checks, free ATMs, credit cards with cash back, Fidelity 2% cash back on their card, Charles Schwab 1.5% back on their card, Unlimited ATMs without any fees, no games, no gimmicks. And then, of course, for all of us credit unions that are owned by you, the member, when you open an account there, always a better choice than being with the big bad bank. And by the way, that's not every bank is the big bad bank, just the giant monster mega banks, the four of them. Jeannie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? Hi, Clark. It's an honor to speak with you. I'm one of your biggest heroes. Well, um, you're one of my biggest heroes. <laughs> well, I know either way works for me. That's great. So, Jeannie, you're my hero because you do so well with money that you're looking for other ways to invest it. Yes, I am. And I know real estate is one of your favorites. So I wanted to get your opinion on a couple things. Sure. Let's hear. Okay, terrific. Um, currently, um, I'm in my mid-50s. My husband and I are actually quasi-close to retirement, so we're kind of switching gears, and our skill sets for working are not as sharp as some of our competitors in younger tax brackets and ages. 
So we wanted to um, maybe consider doing a second rental property. I um, inherited a property from my mother, and it does not have a mortgage on it. So I'm able to enjoy income from that, and it's been really um, fortunately, we've been very lucky having a good renter, and um, there's a property across the street from the existing rental where the gentleman wants to possibly sell it to us, and, um, you know, commission is something I try to avoid. I've actually sold a couple homes my own, um, and I've also just joined real estate uh, school, so I'm actually going to learn a little bit more about this uh, here in the coming weeks, but I wanted to know, is, it, is there a risk in buying a rental in the same uh, neighborhood as my first rental, and then... Um, I think there's a know, direct maybe... advantage to that. Oh, there is, okay. Yeah, now, there are people that would talk about geographic diversification, but the advantage to buying in a, the neighborhood that you already have a property, you know that neighborhood. You know if the neighborhood is improving over time, declining over time. You know what fair market value is. You already know what kind of tenant you're going to attract and what kind of rent you're going to be able to charge. So I'd say that that makes it a lower risk transaction okay. when you buy in an area that's already familiar to you. Plus, think how convenient it is. When you come over to do a maintenance item on one of your rental properties, you can always look in on how things are going at the other one. Not like let yourself into the house, but you know, eyeball how the renter's taking care of things, how things look like they're going. So I oh, love that. that the, oh, good. I was afraid I might be putting all my eggs, not diversifying enough, I guess, was my concern. You mean in uh, having rental property, uh, not just in the same neighborhood, but across the street from each other? No well, problem like, instance, at all. Okay, because I was afraid if this neighborhood went south, and I really have two investments in a going south neighborhood, but there's no sign of that, honestly. It's really right. And, and by the way, neighborhoods don't decline overnight. It's a gradual thing over time, and neighborhoods generally don't improve overnight. They improve gradually. So as long okay. as you're keeping an eye on your investments, if you start to notice changes in the neighborhood, like yards not being kept up, um, the cars, the quality of the cars you see on the street and the driveway start going down, the second you see a car up on blocks, you know... <laughs> It's time for you to say, this isn't the neighborhood I'm going to be an investor in anymore. You're out. So you got plenty of time to turn away from a neighborhood if that becomes necessary. Okay. Well, that's what, what else do you and your husband have to live on besides the rental property you inherited plus the one you'd be buying? We um, have done a, a very fine job of, of living beneath our means. So we actually have a retirement um, account balance of about half a million. And then our net worth between the two properties with that retirement is a little over a million. So it's, it's exciting. I'm a little scared to say it. I really didn't know we ended up being this well off. And I want to make sure I protect my investments and then find new revenue streams as we decide to uh, – scale back working we'll probably both stay busy doing something odd but it won't be anything that's going to pay so well um, i think that's the great property will bring money in your life is set up in a way that you can make great things happen for yourself the choice is available to you and what's unusual about having the two rental properties is they are investments but they also are something you have to manage it's different than owning or stock or bond and that's why over time it is a side business that can both earn you some current income and ultimately additional wealth and so i think they're great and they're part of diversifying your portfolio so nobody should be all real estate nobody should be who's 
living on less than what they make. They shouldn't be all real estate, and they shouldn't be all stocks and bonds. A mix of the two is what creates the greatest financial security. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mike. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Mike. You are trying to get out of debt. Tell me. (laughs) Well, can I first say that I think there should be some type of law that any 20-year-old plus should listen to the Clark Howard Show. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Wouldn't that be abuse of 20-year-olds to make them listen to me? <laughs> no, no, I disagree. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, um, I've, I have a little bit of credit card debt, and I'm actually really good with credit cards. I always pay my debts off. Um, I just happen to use credit cards this year to make some bigger purchases. And they're all at 0% right now. And I was actually contacted by a credit association. And I understand that these credit associations will ask, you know, we will negotiate with your credit card companies to pay to help lower these bills. And so I was just wondering... Do I continue to just pay off my 0% credit cards, or should I make these calls to these companies who are willing to negotiate? All right, so you're a regular listener. Which sound do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the red alert? Do you want to hear <laughs> does not compute, alarm, bomb? What What would you feel like? Explosion? Any, anything except the cow one. <laughs> okay. That was just a straight explosion. <laughs> That's what I'm giving you today. So those companies blow up your credit and you don't go anywhere near them because they will destroy your credit reputation and that great credit score that you've worked so hard to build up over time. Any of these companies that say they'll negotiate cents on the dollar and all that, it decimates your credit standing. Okay. And so just paying Uh, as agreed is what you should do. How much longer is it going to take you to pay off these big purchases? Well, within the next year, before the interest rates kick in. If you're doing that, you're paying, as agreed, 0%, and you'll be 100% paid off, just keep doing exactly what you're doing. Okay. And that's great. How hard was it for you to find 0% offers lately? It was not difficult at all. (laughs) All right. That's great to hear, because I've heard from some people they've had trouble finding them. Did you go out and look for them, or were they soliciting you? I actually went out and looked for them myself. I really enjoy cashback, and every single one of my cards is either 2% or higher cashback. So. Wow. Wow. I like how you handle your money. And Mike, <laughs> are you saving money for your future also? Oh, yeah. I'm doing all kinds of stuff, so... Um, don't worry about me too much. But I will not worry about you at all. Good job. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ask Clark is here. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel, ask your question. Yeah, Clark. Lynn wants to know, can people truly be successful learning to invest from classes taught by professional traders? I don't believe in those programs. And most of the programs that are being done by professional traders are timing systems, uh, what are historically known uh, by the trading slang of red light, green light systems, where everybody's got their own special thing about how you, you buy and you sell in very short order, and you use these special signals of when you should buy and sell, and they make all this money on... Uh, minute changes in share prices. That to me is not investing. It is a form of gambling and you stand too much a chance that you're going to lose a lot of money at the same time, generate a lot of tax liability. I'm a big believer in long-term holding of investments that are widely diversified and that's 100% the opposite of my philosophies. All right, Clark Dustin says, is a prepaid card a safe alternative to using my debit card online and at physical stores? I know you talk about the dangers of using debit cards, but my wife and I have cut up our credit cards and closed the accounts trying to become debt-free. All right, well, a lot in that. First of all, we talked recently about a program where you can use a credit card and have it act just like a debit card so that you don't get in a position where you end up in debt over your head and at the same time have all the protections of a credit card. Even better, it's free. Check out debitize.com, D-E-B-I-T-I-Z-E.com. Now let's go to the thing you said about using a prepaid card. If you do want to stick with using the debit card you have but use a uh, stored value card for shopping online, That is an alternative. The only money you have at risk in that case is the money you have stored as value on it. You protect and segregate your checking account, and so that is an alternative. What I prefer as an alternative is that you open an account with an online bank like Ally or um, Capital One 360 or something like that, and then you have those accounts have no minimums. You put money into those, whatever those accounts you'd use, That's only the amount you're going to use for online transactions. And that way, again, the money you need for everyday living is not at risk. All right, Clark. And Finn wrote in, he said, he had a suggestion, says, I heard you talking about LED light bulbs, and you mentioned that Krista had bought overpriced flood light bulbs on Amazon. You were trying to think of a term for her and other Amazon shoppers who don't shop around and look for deals elsewhere. You can call them Amazombies. (laughs) Ha! (laughs) <laughs> Krista, from here forward, you are called an Amazombie. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I love. All right, so I shop at Amazon. Uh, not not a huge amount, but I got to tell you, it is incredibly convenient and conveniently charges you too much most of the time. Comparison shop. You're listening to the Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to the Clark Howard Show. And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, 
we have our empowerment zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to clark.com slash empowerment zone.